Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 15th, 2012. For newcomers, make sure you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You can go back for years and you can start piecing the system together for yourselves because what you're living through is an agenda, a very well-planned, all-encompassing agenda that goes across the whole planet. And uh, it's the, the planet is going into the next phase of total control uh, by a small minority, really, that's been at it for hundreds of years, bringing in the new scientific age where they bring up uh, the people from cradle to grave, if they need you, that is. Uh, otherwise, you're simply extinguished and you won't be born at all. And you'll serve the great system which they're bringing in to suit themselves. And they, they believe they have the right to do it. And uh, there's no opposition because all the institutions that you think of as like education are all on board with the, the same thing again. So it's a it's a, an all-encompassing uh, system that's infiltrated every part of what you take as your normal existence. So add yourself to the, as I say, to the audios, there's hundreds to choose from, and hopefully you'll get an understanding of the big picture, uh, where the organizations formed a long time ago to bring in this system. Very rich, rich people, rich corporate, corporations and international bankers, and they're still working it out today. And at the same time, too, remember that you are the audience that bring me to you so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and donating because these are austere times, as I say, and we're going through inflation. And, of course, people are getting laid off all over the world now, and so money drops down. But, as I say, if you want to keep going, you can help me keep going, too, by putting a few pennies here or there uh, when required because things are getting pretty tight. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can use international postal money orders and you can send cash or you can use PayPal. And uh, you can also use international postal money orders, you see, from the post office uh, and personal checks are good too. Across the world, Western Union and MoneyGram will do fine. But we're going through massive transitions. This is the age of transitions, remember, that was planned and chatted about in uh, academia for the last 50 years before this century came along. Because in this century, all of the changes that they've been talking about since Enlightenment have to get pushed forth, where intelligent people run the world, scientists run the world, and at the very top of the tree, of course, you've got the, the very famous group of people who run all the money system across the entire planet. And that's just how it's going to be. That's how it is right now. And everybody's on board because they set up the United Nations to make sure you'd all sign treaties to make it so. And it has been made so. You're living through the big, big changes. Remember, too, the Club of Rome said that democracy, which they'd always use and excuse to con the public, still use it once in a while, the same terms, doesn't really mean anything at all. And democracy would never, true democracy would never work, they said at the Club of Rome, on behalf of the United Nations. And they said that what they're doing is training the public to obey authoritarianism 
authoritarianism is the only way to get through this transition phase into the next the next step. So that's what you're living through right, right now. You're being trained and trained and trained. The authoritarianism is the natural order of things. Most folk will adapt into it. They'll obey any rules that come along. Uh, it's beautiful under the guise of anti-terrorism too, because people don't stop to think at all. They're just rushed along and they adapt very quickly to the system. But it's all about transitions, the great transitions that you're being taught about. Going into austerity, which means more profits for those at the top actually, is to sell as they give you less for more money. And that's all energy and everything else as well. Plus you get personal taxes to do with the fact you're alive and you get personal carbon taxes because you're costing the planet, etc. And apparently there's owners of the planet that don't like that. Back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And most folk, of course, listen to the news and they simply, they don't reason through it. What they're hearing, they just simply download into their minds the bits and bytes that are given to them. And Jacques E. Lull, I've mentioned before, went through a whole process of how people really, really um, react to news or really don't react to it at all. It programs them to an extent, but they don't, they're not really aware of it. They take on opinions. They're, they're, they're rather vague as to where they get the opinions from and all the data from. But that's how folk really are. They're half conscious when it comes to listening to news, especially since all the, the news um, casters today and all the stations are pretty well owned by the same people. It's the same stuff you're getting over and over repetition. And we take it for granted now, I read articles yesterday to do with, with perpetual war, and they accept perpetual war as being the normal. And there's, there's youngsters now putting on the uniforms uh, that were really young when 9-11 happened, and they've known nothing except this present system of authoritarianism uh, and uniforms and machine guns and anti-terrorism, etc. That's what I was talking about. The Club of Rome obviously had in the back of their mind when they mentioned this new authoritarian society back in 1970s. They still was plan way ahead of what happens. And now you're seeing the Middle East, uh, you're going through it getting blown up all over the place, and the gun sites keep changing from one country to the next country, just like Orwell talks about who we're fighting today, East Asia, West Asia, who happens. And of course, you're not supposed to notice that they keep changing their targets all the time. And that's the strategy that's used, because you understand experts run your minds. Experts. Whole academies of experts run your minds. They employ them, even when they give the presidential speeches, even the little ones that he gives, all go through all these PR firms, and then and then it has to go to all these experts on neuroscience and neurolinguistics to to before it's given out to the public, because they make it in such a way that you you simply get downloaded with it without thinking much about it, but it does program you and your opinions, and everything is propaganda, very good at propaganda, mind you. It's not the old stuff that they used to use, the old techniques, but it's, it's, far, it's much more advanced than that today. And he's an example of it too. I mean, here's, of course, Israel saying that they're getting bombarded with these old, old rockets that can't hit anything. And, uh, and of course, the Western media, as always, is going along with the whole thing. And it says here that um, the U.S. and Israel finished the largest ever joint military exercise. What a coincidence that is, it's finished yesterday. And it says the U.S. military and Israel Defense Forces colluded the austere 
um, concluded this year, Challenge 2012. It cost a lot of cash, it wasn't last year, but called the largest joint exercise ever held by the two countries. The exercise ended Tuesday following a two-day live-fire exercise that was deemed a success by military observers from the U.S. European Command and the IDF. The three-week exercise, which began last month and involved more than 2,500 American service personnel and 1,000 Israeli soldiers, was designed to improve interoperability between the U.S. and Israeli militaries and was conducted as part of a long-standing strategic agreement to hold bilateral training exercises on a regular basis. Since we made great strides in improving the tactics and our uh, command and control processes, and it's less of just public relations, PR, spin propaganda. But I mean, no one questions this. No one questions why you're having the U.S. military in bed with really a foreign government. Why is that? Why is that? Why are this mess across the whole Middle East? And and very few folk will delve into it and find out why for themselves. They just accept things the way they are, even when they're getting worse all the time. But I put this link up tonight and all the other articles, of course, always put up at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the show. Also, there's an old book that's been reissued again, and it says, An Inconvenient Truth, the banking transfer agreement between Hitler and the Zionists. It caused a big stir when it first came out, and it was 25 years ago, but it's now republished in its 25th anniversary republication. So the best-selling author, Black, who himself is Jewish, outlines an apparently coordinated effort between the Nazis, the Americans, and European Zionists, uh, Jewish Zionists, and the British and financial operation, where millions in profit was generated between two banks set up to handle the transfer of Jewish assets out of Germany. And Paul Troy was the bank that called it the name, the bank in Germany, and the Anglo-Palestinian bank located in British Palestine, because Britain run Palestine at that time. Then it goes into who owned the banks. And this is with the help of Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich, some 60,000 German Jews emigrated to British Palestine, now Israel, between 1933 and 1941 through the transfer agreement between Nazis and the Zionists, where Jewish property with an estimated value at $100 million was transferred out in the form of German industrial goods used to build Israel's early European-style infrastructure. In the beginning, it was all about money, but when the deals soured and America entered the war, the transfer agreement came to a halt and other monies began pouring into Nazi Germany from the bankers in New York. And, and that, that, all, that stuff all came out too, by the way, in the crimes and punishment of IG Farben, the big corporation that the Western banks set up in Germany that created the, the finances for the whole uh, Nazi um, military apparatus. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's quite amazing in the book because uh, America flew over all oh, plane loads of lawyers to, to defend the, the private companies. Ford and all these companies were involved in IBM, etc., which comprised IB Farb, an umbrella organization, and uh, they tried to get them all off the hook. They got most of them off the hook, actually, and I think they put one or two low-level uh, guys in prison as a token for a very short period of time. So everything, there's nothing really as it seems to be when it comes to government, because governments never tell the public the truth on anything. I mean, that's just how they are. They never tell the public the truth on anything. And any, any level of government either, for that matter. They all have their public relations, which is to spin a truth or, or, or deviate from the truth or get far, far away from any truth, but they never give you the truth. You're, you're managed like a herd of children. 
And I hope you understand that. And it's always been that way. Really, it's always been that way. And also, in Australia, um, because of Agenda 21, also called Sustainable Development, uh, they've uh, did what they did to Canada and the fishery industries in Canada were put out of business basically a long time ago by the same United Nations officials. But it's the same thing in Australia too. It says the federal government officially put its enormous network of marine reserves into law today. The plan for the reserves, these are parks in the ocean, by the way, which cover more than 2.3 million square kilometres of ocean, were announced by the government in June. Now, after several months of consultation, the areas will be officially proclaimed by Environmental Minister Tony Burke. The network is made up of five zones surrounding every state and territory, and they give you a map to show you where they are. Mr. Burke says the marine reserves are a world first and will only have a small impact on commercial fishing. Oh, really? Well, he's not a fisherman, is he? There's still a further stage of working out the management plan to specify what fishing gear will be permitted in, in each area. It's laws, laws, regulations, laws. Just like the Soviet Union, you know. It's actually worse because we're in this, we're the step beyond the Soviet Union now through the United Nations. But says the principle is the same as national parks. You have some parts of the ocean that are simply protected for nature. There's some areas where you've got fishing still continuing, but some activities such as trawling are banned. And you've got some areas where oil and gas exploration is banned. And then you've got a number of areas that are highly protected where all forms of extractive activity are banned. Business affected by the changes will, will be able to access $100 million in assistance. They're putting them all, or the fishermen, out of business. And remember, once you put someone in the books and pass it, Within a year, they've expanded it massively to cover more areas and and, and more types of fishing boats and and all the rest of it too. That's how they always work. Get it on the books, just like your carbon taxes when they come in, and then start expanding it and expanding it all the time. And most will accept it because they don't understand uh, they could have a different system than the one they have. They can't imagine that. Strange that, isn't it? I see wonder why the Egyptian slaves never ran away. I mean, Egypt, the only time they had rebellions from slaves is when other countries invaded them. And occasionally, a couple of times, people conquered them. And it's the only time that the slaves suddenly got an idea that they could be free. But the rest of the time, they didn't run away because they had all these magic eyes and, and, and priests and all these symbols that they thought they were getting watched wherever they go. And the great god Ra could see right into their heads. So they'd never ran away. They thought that being bred as slaves... Because you were bred, just like they did in America. Uh, but they'd match you up with someone else for a certain particular height and strength, but not, didn't want you too bright, by the way, because they had ways of doing that too. And, and you would just grow up your life thinking that was your natural order of things. You know, there's all kinds of animals, and then there's you. So that's how people really are in the world, especially with all the massive propaganda of what they think is bringing them freedom, which is lots of news. Never dawns them all the lots of news is all coordinated to brainwash them further into compliance and everything under authority. And obedience to authority, I've done programs on that before on the radio, uh, works awfully well. People never question why. Uh, as I've said before, everything is facade and training, you understand. In the old days, it was the king's men. The king's men would go round and every so often to collect taxes. And if you didn't have the cash, they'd take your house or they'd take your pigs or your chickens or whatever they could get their hold of. And that was accepted. And they had they had massive charters written down with all the uh, inventories of everything that you owned, right down to the chair that you owned in your little mud hut. And then when it got more and more official and you had governments and then you had uh, better looking uniforms and more 
public relations propaganda, you think it's a your army and so on. Then you have your police. Your police now stand on the roads like highwaymen and, and demand cash off you via tickets and so on. They're given quotas to fulfill. Now, you could see a highwayman standing there with his pistols. You know, this guy's a robber. But when you put a, a, a uniform on, it, you think it's a different thing. It's the same it's the same thing. A guy's got a gun on his hip and he's demanding something from you. And you stop when you're told it'll shoot you. It's the same with everything. That's how you're conditioned into everything, is obedience to authority. It doesn't matter what the authority is. It can be made normal. Any kind of authority can be made normal. That's been proven through history. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're cutting through the matrix. Also tonight I'll put up a, a video I've, I've put up before. It was done in 2003, but it's, it's by an Israeli filmmaker, Yav Shamir, who shows the everyday interaction between Israeli soldiers and Palestinian civilians at several of the region's uh, Israel Defense Forces checkpoints and what they go through to get through all these checkpoints just to get back and forth and so on. But it was kind of reminiscent of what's coming in North America and the rest of the world under authoritarianism. And, and if you understand what you're looking at, and, and I mean really understand what you're looking at, this is like an ageless thing. It doesn't matter what the uniform is uh, or what country it is. It's an ageless thing that always ends up uh, as you have the ones who are, who are superior financially and militarily with equipment and so on and the ones who end up losing everything. Old, old story. We've, we've had it all across Europe and Britain and Scotland and so on uh, over the centuries, and nothing really changes. Nothing really changes. Unfortunately, humanity is not a really nice thing altogether. This idea we're all the same is nonsense. I mean, people are not the same in any place, even the same town. You're not the same. There are nasty people around you who will do nasty things to the people, and, um, and every country and every nationality has got them. But it shows you uh, what, what's what's coming across the whole planet, as I say. And you understand when you watch that. Remember, it's here in a sense. It's here. It's just not. You don't see the big big bars uh, at the moment in front of you, but you're going to see them because that is the agenda, folks, under austerity. And this article here too, this other one, is from an Australian. It shows you the attitudes and the, the mentality of the ones who are up there in politics. And uh, I don't know this particular character, but it says, Western Australian Labour Member of Parliament has blamed nastier violence on the streets on the fact that those who commit such crimes are not being culled by being sent to foreign wars. It sounds like an old, old-fashioned uh, Tory that you'd have in Britain, because that's how they used to do it in Britain. I don't even realise that happened to World War One and World War Two, and even afterwards, so there's actually even in Canada, it's happened too, that a lot of people would end up getting the choice if they were in the court for some petty crime of um, joining the military or, or, or going to prison. And that's how a lot of the armies were really created, especially before major wars and before they called people up uh, by law to, to get into the military. 
drafting you. So they had to rely on a lot of criminal types. And and you find that even in the British Navy, which was famous for it too, where they used to um, basically Shanghai people and cudgel them and, and bag them, bag their heads, and you wake up on board a ship and that was it. Until you, the voyage were, was over, you belonged to H.M. King or H.M. Queen. But uh, here's this Labour MP in Australia talking about uh, they're not culling uh, the people who commit crimes on the streets uh, by being sent to foreign wars. So during a debate in Parliament on legislation to enable uniform R18 plus classification for video games, Forestfield MP Andrew Waddle said violence on the streets was less frequent but nastier. He says, I put it that uh, one of the reasons for that is the sorts of people who are committing those violent crimes are the very same types of people who in past times were sent off to fight in wars, he said. He says, the reality is that we're, we're not culling the young anymore. We're not sending them off to foreign battlefields to kill other people anymore. And that's why they're on the streets. He says, that is the reality, the fact we have not had a major conflict in a very long time. So State Representative Bill Gaynor said Mr. Waddle's comments demeaned professional servicemen and women. But do they really? Do they really? You understand there's different realities at work between guys who put uniforms on and the ones who rule over them. Remember what Kissinger said when he was asked about... You understand the ones who are bringing in this world system through the guise of science and, and treaties and all the rest of it, uh, they, they, they don't see any of you really as human. You're all down below. You're part of the big herd. Otherwise, you'd be up there with them. And they really see and really mean the big distinction between you and them. But Kissinger himself said a truth. He, he said, he said, to an extent, it was a truth. He said, uh, the American soldiers, they hate the military, even though they'll use them and wipe them all out if need be, but they'll use them for the geopolitics. Kissinger said, the American soldier, he says, the soldiers are, are there for, they're dumb, stupid animals, he said, who are there for, for foreign policy. Now, from his point of view, he, he's telling the truth from the way he sees it. Because at the soldier's level, he's given a flag and little bits of tin stars, lots of movies to watch, think he's going to be a hero, and he hasn't a clue of geopolitics and what the real long-term reasons are for it. He really doesn't know. Two complete different realities, you understand. But this guy, this guy here is talking about uh, putting the crooks back into the military and going out and getting them off killed in, in foreign wars. That way the big businesses can benefit as these, as these guys get killed off and, and conquer at the same time for the businesses. And that's an old, old story. That's what armies are for. Armies and money go together. Without money, you, didn't, you couldn't get a professional army. You might get little bands of robbers, but they wouldn't hang around for long. They'd drift off one at a time back home and so on because they, they would take plunder with them in, in lieu of cash. They didn't have money. Once you had money in existence and those who ruled by money, which still rule today, by the way, uh, you could get a, a complete army, a regiment formed, train them, keep them there. They wouldn't wander off. You paid them money. They could use that money to get anything they wanted, and uh, and they did carry on. That's what wars are about. Wars and money go together. So anyway, there's different ways of looking at things, as I say, and this guy claims that uh, um, they should really just be putting them into the military to go off and fight wars. He says, these people choose to enlist, he said, they choose to do the training and they become this proficient at the work they're trained to do. This is a guy who's reputing it or buffing it. But anyway, it's different ways of seeing the reality. The ones at the bottom never see reality. Back with more after this break.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the Matrix and... With all the stuff going on over in Britain with paedophilia and so on, and the big boys getting in and trying to divert it into other areas, and even telling the public to shut up and telling the media too to shut up about it. Because, remember, Jimmy Savile's only one guy who was a procurer for people above him, and very important people, knighted people, just like himself, even higher up the knighthood uh, ranking stepmother. But... um. Here's an article here, because remember too that uh, when it came out that Savile and, and Prince Charles were all great buddies and all the rest of it, and that Savile had that place in Scotland, they went up and bought that place there to do his, his little uh, hideaway nasty stuff as well, that Charles would visit him, and they had to divert the public away from that. So here's, a, here's Scotland here, Scotland that says, members of the Scottish Parliament, which is a puppet regime, they didn't even have the guts to, to, to hit back at uh, Von Rompuy of the EU, who said they didn't want to give Scotland its independence. I know I'd, I'd have told him, the little prune that he is. Anyway, it says here, Members of the Scottish Parliament give principal backing to Royal Secrecy Information Bill. And it says, The Queen's proposals would cover communications with senior members of the royal family. So the Scottish Parliament says back the general principles of a bill that includes plans to keep communications between ministers, that's government workers and politicians, and senior royal family members a secret. The Scottish Government had been urged to drop the move under reforms to freedom of information laws. But these politicians said the change would bring the situation in Scotland into line with the rest of the UK. What kind of independence is that? But Information Commissioner Rosemary Agnew said it effectively eroded the rights of the public. Well, of course it does. The secrecy clause was raised during a debate in Parliament on the principles of the Freedom of Information Amendment Scotland Bill. At the moment, information about the royal family can be published in Scotland if it passes a public interest test. Well, who's to decide what a public interest test is? Ministers want to remove the test under the proposed reforms, thereby banning inner release and bringing the situation in Scotland into line with legislation in other parts of the UK. The amendment would exempt communications with the monarch, the heir to the throne, or a member of the royal household acting on their behalf. The Scottish Parliament's Finance Committee, which has been scrutinised, the bill said substantial arguments had been made against including the royal exemption and urged ministers to think again. It also raised concern at the use of arms-length bodies to provide public services which were not controlled under FOL laws meant people's right of access to information was also being reduced. It's amazing, you know, Scotland's always been under, under intense attack. You know, when the big boys came into London and took over England and based themselves in you know, the city, the big banking system where they brought their pyramid over, by the way, and stuck it in the Thames. So wherever they go, they, put, they always put an obelisk there. Always. And then they, they, they hammered at Scotland for centuries and centuries and centuries. And then Scotland, even, even then it wasn't defeated. You had a few clans that would fight here and there. But um, in Scotland, the high ministers in Edinburgh in the 1700s sat together uh, on a, debating about whether they should join England or not, unite the two crowns. And uh, it was never ratified, you know. They just adjourned and never went back. We only found that out in the 1990s when, when somebody at Buckingham Palace came out with the old scroll. It was never signed by anybody. 
So Scotland's been paying taxes to London for all this time for nothing. Never mind guys for their wars and all the rest of it. Anyway, says an opening debate, Mr. Sturgeon said there need to be appropriate measures ensuring the protection of confidential information relating to the monarchy. Well, you better believe that. You better believe that. Dangerous thing to, to, to start um, connecting dots. It can be a very dangerous thing to think. Uh, even dan- more dangerous if you actually say anything, obviously. And then again, as, as they try to divert it from Savile, they're going to small fry that were connected with Savile to just to give the public, you know, someone to condemn. It's old mob mentality, understand. You almost give them someone to throw stones at. So they always give you a little one at the bottom to throw those stones at. The police have arrested a man in his 60s from the central English county of Bedfordshire as part of an investigation to alleged child abuse centre in the former BBC presenter Jimmy Savile. They said in a statement who declined declined to name the guy was arrested Thursday morning on suspicion of sexual offences and he was taken into custody. said that so far 450 victims have come forward and that police have recorded 200 allegations of sexual assault. Uh, police are dividing their investigation in three strands uh, Offences allegedly committed by, alone by Savile who died last year And offences committed by him with others And offences committed by others alone Said Thursday the arrest fell into the third category of others It was a fourth arrest in operation that police have codenamed U-Tree it says But anyway, they'll give you a few little ones at the bottom And they've also arrested some other DJ as well Put up night as well, an old DJ but they're not going for the big boys above that, because Savile said it himself. You can get anything, I can get anything I want, he said. He, he procures things. And he wasn't a grass. He wouldn't snipe out on the ones above him. And here you are, authoritarianism is a folk accept it and accept it and accept it. But mind you, they accept it under a situation they've never had before. Incredible entertainment. I mean, they're lapping up all the indoctrination through movies and stuff that's teaching them to simply obey authority. They're addicted to it. Big Brother is watching fears over homeland security streetlights that record your conversations and track your movements. I remember reading that ages ago, but they've come out with it in the mainstream. It says, like something of a sinister Orwellian vision, the future streetlights with the ability to monitor conversations announce government warnings are being installed on American streets. It's part of a federally funded project manufacturing illuminating concepts. That's the name of the company that makes them illuminating concepts. Have begun installing the system dubbed IntelliStreets in the town of Farmington Hills, Michigan. According to the company's video presentation, the capabilities of devices include homeland security, public safety, traffic control, advertising and video surveillance features. And there's a video that goes with it. It's, it's almost like a PR thing. It's, it's like an ad, this thing, in fact. That's how they always announce these, this stuff to you. R- rather than tell you, are you going to accept this, you know? No, no, they tell you just how wonderful the science is. Oh, wow. Aye, aye, aye. Well... And also tonight, too, about the documentary I've put up before, I think, revealing Cold War chemical testing conducted on the U.S. neighborhoods. I've done that before. There's another one, too, when they're using radio, radiation. There's quite a few out there, actually. There was even one that was amazing where in the, the 50s and 60s, you could see these guys in um, biochemical suits and, and, and radioactive suits, actually, anti-radioactive suits. And they, they, were, they had, had big, massive syringes in them. And they conned these people in the States, generally black people. They told them they had cancers and they didn't. 
And he says, we'll give you free treatment. And what they're actually doing was injecting this stuff, radioactive material, into their veins. And then monitoring all the tumors that would arise from it all. You know, just for the interest of science, you understand. <laughs> what a world. And, and folks still go and vote, you know. They vote. Yeah. For what? For what? And also, I'll put up tonight too, um, it's the anti-austerity strikes hit Europe. Let's call it what it is. You know, forced into poverty strikes on behalf of the New World Order and the United Nations that came up with all this idea. Uh, austerity is part of Agenda 21, remember, and, and sustainable development. And you would live like, you know, happy little rats, basically. Uh, and don't be unhappy. Gross well-being. Remember what the chairman of the Federal Reserve says? Well, which you put, put, push gross well-being around GDP, you see. And, and of course, that's from the United Nations as well. They're pushing us all across the world now. Even in Scotland, you know. doesn't matter how much money you've got. How happy are you? Aren't you happy? Bloomberg and his philanthropic organization in the States has just set it off in, in, in the States as well. The first survey of it was in California. They go to California first, right, where they're really unhappy. Eh? But anyway, that's, that's how you're, you're managed. So anyway, as I say, people are rioting in, in different countries over it, and I hope there's more riots to come, because if they don't riot now, they're going to really be back to wearing rags as the rich men get richer. Obviously, you have no option because the, the World Bank and the IMF and the European Central Banks has, have said that there's no negotiation here. Up until the year 2020 or beyond, you're going to be forced to repay supposedly all this debt. Now, most of the countries like Britain, the debt is from borrowing from these bankers to throw other countries to get them out the hole from the same bankers. This roundabout that they have. So you have to start wearing rags with the big back. You understand, it's not just about making money. This is an agenda to bring you down into utter poverty, the way you should be living, according to the elite at the top. You've had it too good, they say. It's unsustainable. Remember what the United Nations said years ago? They said we can keep maybe a, a, a few million people living at this standard of living. And at that time they were using America as an example. Or, uh, and uh, it says, um, and the rest would have to live in poverty. Or, or, the, or the, all of them would live in poverty if you shared it out. The elite did that too hard. They don't live in poverty. So they're going to make sure that you're all poor. And you'll pay more and more and more and more for the same old things. You're not even eating food anymore, for goodness sake. You don't know what real food is anymore. You're eating chemicals, refuse, that's dumped into the, the stuff that you eat. And you think that's food. That's not what the leader eating. And then there's one here too. It's called Ecocide, the push to criminalize humanity for the sake of saving the planet. I'll put this up tonight too. This is by the year 2020, the eco-fascists hope to make ecocide the ultimate crime against the planet with a green economy. I mean, what's a green economy? installed, and the mandates of Agenda 21 firmly in place. The only thing left to do is criminalize the entire human race, and ecocide promises to be the definitive crime against peace. You understand, these are the terms that Orwell talked about. It's all, people can't get their minds around the terminology, so they can't think beyond it. 
a crime against peace. If you heat yourself in the winter and you can't afford carbon taxes. Tell me something, is the God of the world risen up there? And we can see this God of the world that owns the planet here. Is Mother Earth staggering right above us there and saying, hey, you got to pay me? No, no, no. These are people, folks, just like you, who decide that they rule the planets. And they go to the toilet like you do, and they drop their pants and do the same stuff you do. There may be more expensive pants and a more expensive toilet, but they're still the same as you. And what they leave is just what you leave too. Stop. Stop looking at these people as though they're some kind of gods. And stop looking at science as though it's a factual reality, objective. It's not. There's, all sciences are politicized. They're social agendas. Just like global warming. Very simple. Very, very simple. Tonight, too, I'll mention a bit say that the, the DLT arrested former radio uh, DJ D- Dave Lee Travis is held in the Jimmy Savile sex abuse investigation. I mean, I don't know how old this guy is now, but he's down at the totem pole, this, this guy. We're down the totem pole. And then they mentioned other ones, too, like Freddie Starr and, and Gary Glitter. And these guys are 68 and 69 years of age. I mean, for goodness sake, um, they're, they're down the totem pole. They were known back in charge back then, way back then, for, for what they were up to, mainly with young boys, at least Gary Glitter was. And in Australia, you know, now you understand to get to the top of the tree and get up there and get in working for the big boys, you've got to put a life in and you've got to go into the United Nations agendas. And then you've got to parrot all the stuff the United Nations goes along with. And you, preferably you join an NGO under socialism. And when you join any organization under the UN umbrella, you must accept all of the UN's agenda. All of it. You can't say, I like this stuff, but I don't agree with that. You've got to accept all of it. But that's how you get up the tree there, you know. Women's rights and pro-abortion and, and all the stuff that's getting pushed at the top. And that's what Julia Gillard did, you see. And... And then she got, and then she was involved with the unions through her boyfriend. The $5,000 question claims Julia Gillard's ex-boyfriend, Bruce Wilson, put cash into her account. The, the media's here. She even tried to get lost past because so he couldn't mention this. But it says, um, Julia Gillard's past continues to haunt her last night with allegations emerging that in June 1996, a union employee told the national head of the Australian Workers Union that he deposited $5,000 cash into her account. The allegation outlined exclusively in the Australian today is that the cash had come from the Prime Minister's then-boyfriend, I guess she was living with, the AWU official Bruce Wilson. He was the head of the AWU union. Ms. Gillard has always denied any wrongdoing over the creation of a union slush fund on behalf of Mr. Wilson and union official Ralph Blewett during her time as a lawyer for Slater and Gordon. What the guy apparently was doing was buying houses over the place and that she was involved with them. So I know it says here, the allegation comes as Blewett indicated he's willing to speak openly about his role in the union scandal, but wants the police to guarantee him immunity from prosecution. And they've asked a lawyer for a key player in the Australian Workers' Union scandal, where his client would provide details about an alleged slush fund used by Julia Gillard's former boyfriend, and so on and so on. So anyway, money was getting deposited in her account at the same time as she was with this boyfriend who was in charge of the union with a slush fund and so on and so on. But it goes further as I say there's a whole bunch of homes and different things that were sinking the money into property, apparently. That's how you get up the ladder, you see. But it won't matter, because bigger, bigger people have put her in place, this Fabian socialist, 
the Fabian Society. You understand the Fabian Society was set up to bring in the Soviet-type system and even further than the old Soviet-type system. Uh, using more science and, and using the Fabian technique of incrementalism slow as the folk adapt and adapt and adapt until you're there. The wolf in sheep's clothing. goes way back to biblical times, wolf in sheep's clothing. Remember Jesus said, I'll send you out as, as sheep amongst wolves. Well, see, here's, here's the wolves pretending that they're sheep. That's why I have the, the, the logo of, of the Fabian society. They pretend they're you and say all nice things to you. Oh, they like to help poor people and all that stuff, but they're actually wolves. And that's how they would do it. You also see it on the stained glass window of the house where the Fabian society started up. And you'll see the founders of it there with the, the globe, the world, on an anvil. And you, you'll see them smashing it into the way it should be. This big hammering the world the way they want it to be. Of course, that anvil and the hammer is awfully significant of something too. And these guys literally worked hand in glove with the, the Soviet system all through its, its period. Because the, the idea was eventually to merge the two together. And the richest people on the planet were all for this because they had funded communism. From its very beginning But that's how you get the ladder You join all the NGOs You see all the right things Yes, you know And abortion Yeah, yeah And, and so on and so on And then you get up to You've proven That you've you got the right stuff The right stuff You'll, You will not compromise on anything You'll stick to your And stick to your opinions And force laws down people's throats You see For the good of all You understand The greater good Back with more After this break Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and I'll go to Clint from Ontario if you're still hanging on there. Yeah, I'm here, Alan. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Yep. I thought I'd call in tonight because you're going on about the UN and stuff and um, IG Farben. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'd call in and just tie in a man who, who brought up Codex Alimentarius for us. Yeah. And his name was Fritz Tiermeer, the Nazi chemist. Mm-hmm. And um, if people just want to just think for a minute why the UN would hire a man to implement a program that absolutely controls the world's food and agriculture. Mm-hmm. From, from, from him being a chemist making Zyklon B and whatever else he did for the Nazis for IG Farben to then going to being Bear Aspirin, the, uh, the world's yeah. leading pharmaceutical company, one of them at the time. That's right. And, and, and Alan, if you think about it, how many people in the past 50 years, 60 years, have taken an aspirin. Yep. You know what I mean? So what the hell has actually been in that stuff? But anyways, for, for Fritz to go on to the UN and be appointed to help create this Codex Alimentarius, just five years after being released from prison, from the Nuremberg trials, you know, for, for good behavior. <laughs> and this guy was probably, if not one of the main masterminds with everybody else to eliminating, what, 6 million Jews, they said, in, in these camps and other people. So how how is this man all of a sudden a saint and, and they want to have him uh, help everybody in the world with the benefit of food for everybody? You know what I mean? It's just, it's sickening. 
It, it is sickening, yeah. And when you go into the Soviet system, which is also socialist, remember, and the Soviet system uh, gave a lot of uh, prizes from the United Nations for their scientists there that were doing even worse experiments for 40, 50 years on people. They literally took the tops of their heads off as they're alive. And there's, there's, there's even videos of them up there where they did it, actually. And you see these guys all lined up in beds, maybe 40 of them in a big, long ward. None of them have, have the tops of their skulls on, and all these guys are probing them, and so on and so on. These guys got prizes for that from the United Nations and all the scientific organizations. Socialism, remember what socialism really means. The guy at the bottom thinks it's about getting something back for your taxes. It's not. It's a complete science of managing the herd from from birth to death. And, of course, that's why the big right-wing boys are in on it, too, because they've got this It's one agenda. It's two parties. You think it's two parties. That's just for, so you'll vote. It's the one agenda. They're both in on the same thing. And um, it's disgusting. But tonight, too, I'll put up an article. It's about the Codex Armentarius and folk in Canada who have taken a, a lawsuit against Health Canada as they try to stop it, uh, uh, the, the bill going all the way here. They're banning lots and lots of vitamin pills and stuff that you'll need these days because the stuff you're getting called food is rubbish. It's, it's rubbish. Do you, yeah. think, uh, do you think that maybe over time, like, because he was a very smart man. There's no doubt all of the scientists back then, they were all yeah. very smart. Do you think yeah. that maybe they could have perfected something that, is put into the food, the food perhaps that is going to help with the slow kill of eugenics. Oh, it's already there. It's the already there. Every, 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 just go into any, any supermarket and read all the chemicals and it's in all the packaging and the tins. That, that's the stuff that's killing you. And when you go through that in the history, just take one chemical, go through the history of it. They knew back in the late 1800s what killed folk, which, what made folk infertile, sterilized you and all the rest of it. They know all this stuff. This is not by chance. It's not by chance that they took a chemical waste that was highly toxic and lethal and put it in your toothpaste and made you buy the stuff and then put it in your drinking water. They've known this for a long time. Bisphenol A, they knew about it in the late 1890s, what it did, made you infertile as well. There's, there's no accidents here. <laughs> no, not at all. Thanks. None, none whatsoever. But thanks for calling. From Hamish Michelle from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.